Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Mindset Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and today in episode 142, we're talking about overcoming obstacles and resilience with para-archery athlete Eric Burkett. So we're back here at the World Ranking Championships. No, that's not the word they use. <coughs> second, second leg of the European Championship. Second leg. And I am here with um, para-archery athlete Eric Burkett. And we're talking about a few different things today. But first, I just wanted to introduce everybody to you a little bit. Maybe tell us a little bit about your story, where you're from. Tell us a little bit of your background. Well, good morning, Riley. Um, I was born into a Marine family. My dad was a Marine officer, uh, flew A-4s. Uh, he retired in 90, same year I graduated from high school. We moved to Pennsylvania, stayed up there for a little while, graduated from college, uh, enlisted in the, uh, the Marine Corps as an officer candidate, uh, earned my commission, and then went off to flight school myself. Fast forward to my fourth deployment, I was uh, flying an MV-22 Osprey in uh, Northwest Africa, and we crashed. Um, uh, I'm one of two survivors. I had uh, a ton of surgeries. I don't need to have to talk to my wife for the exact count, but I'm, I'm easily in my 50s. It's left me uh, an AKBK, above the knee, below the knee, amputee. Um, also, uh, optical lung head uh, injuries um, but uh, it's, it's it's been a I'll describe it like this I had one really bad day I had a couple tough days but I lead a blessed life and it's uh, it's led me here very cool um, I really appreciate you taking a, a few minutes to talk to me about your background obviously we're here for para archery you compete in the compound bow competition. Maybe explain to our listeners a little bit the difference between compound and recurve archery. Well, um, the compound bow is uh, it's usually a shorter bow. It has a, uh, a system of pulleys and cams on it, basically, that uh, give a mechanical advantage to, to the bow. So at a certain point, um, you reach peak weight, and then as you continue to draw the arrow back, it, uh, the amount of weight that you need or the strength that you need to hold the arrow back um, decreases uh, all the way down into what we call the valley. Whereas in the recurve bow, which doesn't have any of the uh, mechanical advantages, it, the farther back you draw that bow, the heavier the weight gets. Very cool. What do you, what do you think when we're talking about para-archery, what do you think is the toughest part about this sport? Oh, the toughest sport is um, is having confidence. <laughs> Truly, that's the the thing. I mean, we got lots of guys with lots of talent, but uh, it's this um, kind of tenacious, insidious thing going through your head that uh, uh, creates doubt or distraction and. You know, and ultimately, you know, deviation from your goal. So obviously, you're you're an elite athlete. You're on the U.S. national team here, representing the United States of America. 
and you're talking about confidence. And I think this is a little bit important for some of my listeners because I tell them all the time that even elite athletes such as yourself struggle with confidence. And you just brought it up, so that kind of dovetails into another question. What do you think builds confidence? Oh, confidence. What builds confidence? I mean, what a, what a great question. Um, I think if, if that answer worked for every person, man, we'd, we'd have elite everything going on. I mean, it, um, but, uh, you know, everybody has a different background. Everybody has uh, different demons that they struggle with, they wrestle with, um, you know, whether it's, you know, something going on in the family life or uh, something that actually happened or they experienced in, in their, inside their sport, um, you know, am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I fast enough? Am I whatever? I mean, there's just, we, we tend to doubt ourselves internally. We can be very uh, confident and we can, you know, exude confidence as, as far as people's perception of us. But, you know, it's, it's being able to put down uh, whatever little demon that's in there that says, you know, hey, you, you sure you can do this? You know, or, you know, why, why aren't you hitting the center of that circle? Why aren't you, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with you today that you can't get there? Um, you know, and that's the challenge. You know, that's not just like, you know, at a tournament. That, that could be every arrow. You know, as I sit there and I look down range and I'm about to take a shot, you know, it's like, why can't I settle on the center? Why can't I get there? Why, what's going on? Um, but... Uh, you know, what does it take to get confidence? It takes time. It takes time behind the bow. It takes um, persistence. Uh, it takes, you know, self-talk. It takes good coaching. It, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, it's, there's no real magical recipe to, for confidence. But, I mean, it's, you, you know, it's one of the challenges as a coach because um, I also coach, you know, and that's to, to help that athlete, you know, not just – perform as well as he can but to to have his mental game correct yeah i love that answer obviously for a million reasons for me as a sports psychology consultant and as a mental coach you're talking about all all the things that we talk about with athletes and i and, and i do think that there's a serious component of self-talk there's a serious component you're talking a lot about preparation really that can build confidence um and then you also talked about putting in the work and I love to talk to people about work because I, I, I truly believe, and this, this just might be, might be, it might be me kind of glamorizing sport, but I believe that in every single sport that there's a, there's a part of each sport that's very, very much, that it's very important for you to put in the lonely, what I call the lonely work. Um, what, what would you consider to be the lonely work of your sport? What's the lonely work? What's the work that, sure, you come here and you compete in a, in a worldwide tournament. What's the lonely work that nobody sees, that nobody sees behind the scenes that's difficult for you, that you have to get up and you have to do anyway, even though, even though people may not see it? Oh, I mean, that, it's, it's probably no different than any other sport. You know, the guys that, that want to be the best, those are the guys that, that get up early, you know, and they, they go out and run or they go out and lift or they, you know, uh, you know, go to the archery range, you know, where they're, they're tweaking their bow, where they're, um, using the different, uh, 
mental hardening. Like in, in the Marine Corps, we talked about like you're being combat hard. You're ready. You know, you've you've trained and you've trained and you've trained to where now things become instinctual. And hopefully, when the first bullet flies or when the the chaos starts, you're not you're not thinking. You're reacting based on what your training's telling you to do and the outside stimulus. Um, you know, it's the same thing with an archery tournament. You know, how do I get to the point to where I'm tournament hard? I'm tournament ready. You know, well, let's let's go into a lot of tournaments. You know, even the small ones. You know, there's still that external pressure because now these arrows aren't just arrows you're shooting in your backyard. You know, it's arrows that are getting scored in a public setting. You know, do you cure cancer by shooting a perfect score in archery? No, but there's still that that pressure to want to do well you know I think any any elite athlete wants to do well um, but like that the time where you get up in the morning and you you work on maybe you're headstrong maybe you work on uh, your your bow your equipment where you're tuning where you're working where you're just getting the last little bugs out so it things are smooth then you have to have you know that, that builds confidence in your gear you know that's part of it you know if i if i just pick up a bow and it's like oh man i gotta roll in my backup bow because my primary bow's down but i haven't shot my backup bow all oh, my confidence now is going to take a hit because it's like well i'm not so strong on this bow um but you know so there's that you know there's a you know, sacrifice i mean people don't see it but you know the time that i'm behind my bow or that i'm down in the bow laboratory as i call it you know I'm, that's time that i'm not with my family you know, right. it's not time that I'm out, you know, being a productive member of society. It's kind of, you know, self-absorbed time. It's important. Um, and thankfully, my, my family's bought into that. But, you know, it's, you know, that, that alone time is critical. And that's, you know, where, where you get to a tournament and it basically all you're doing is you're playing catch with a spider because you realize that nothing has changed you know, from your backyard, you know, the target's not bigger or smaller, it's not farther away, the arrows aren't different, your equipment's this, you know, everything is the same, it's just now there's a bunch of people around and someone's down there counting your arrow score. I mean, right. So. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I, I think that's an interesting thought. When I think about the lonely work, you know, looking at it as a sacrifice, like there's, there's many sacrifices that are made for elite athletes, right? And they have great people around them. They have great people that help them to achieve their goals, right? And uh, that, that's a really cool answer. What, what, let me just shift gears here just a little bit. What percent of your sport would you say is mental and which, what percent of your sport would you say is physical? Oh, um, I had a feeling you were going to ask that question. You know, I, I, I think I travel a different road than a lot of people. Um, You know, people say, oh, it's 50% or it might be 5% mental. And that's that last 5% that separates the, the, the best you know, from the, the better from the best. Um, you know, I'd like to think it's, it's probably more of a 50-50. Because if my mental game isn't strong, it's not going to carry my physical game. And if my physical game isn't strong, it's not going to carry my mental game. You know, or, or call it 100%, 100%. I mean... They, they overlap, you know, and, and they complement each other. Um, so to put a, a percentage or a fraction, I, I would say that, you know, to shoot my best, I've got to be 
strong mentally and physically at the same time for that three to five second period where I'm up and I'm focused on where I want that arrow to hit the target. You know, and if, if I can't bring my A game for that three to five seconds, both mentally and physically, there's deviation and deviation, you know, costs uh, tournaments. Right. You've talked to me before, Eric, about the balance between focus and in some ways you kind of substitute aggression for your focus, like that ability to like really go after a shot and then also just like trusting and letting your body do the work. How does that work for you and, and why, why is there a balance between focus and maybe letting the sport come to you or letting, letting this come to you? What, what does that mean to you when you talk about that? Excuse me. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird way, or weird idea, I guess, that I have in my head. So I need to come. I need to come actively aggressive to an archery tournament. I need to approach uh, shooting as if I'm going. I'm going to get that X. I'm going to shoot the center of the target. Um, but at the same time, I've got to be able to put that focus in the same place every time in a, in a conscious way and then allow my subconscious to perform what I've been practicing in all that alone time and all that quiet time and all the time behind the bow away from my family and everything, to let that all come together as one to drive that arrow through the center of the target. So I've, if I come and I'm, I'm passive or if I'm just, you know, trying not to shoot outside the yellow or trying not to shoot outside the 10 ring or you know whatever it is if i'm not hungry and going for the center of that target every time that tiny little microscopic jelly bean of goodness inside that target if i'm not going for that actively passionately going for that putting my brain on that jelly bean that I, the thing that i can't see right there behind the x if i'm not doing that I'm creating deviation. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing other things to come in. So there's the putting the conscious brain in a spot. There's allowing the subconscious brain to control the whole process of shooting an arrow, of, of allowing that arrow to release cleanly from my bow. And when that comes together, it's beautiful. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean to me, I, you're describing an art. I like to think of archery as a discipline, a discipline that you you know, that forces you to, to master yourself because you can't control the other guy shooting. You know, I mean, I, I shot good the other day, but I was beat. The guy had a, a personal best. What can you do? You compliment the guy. I mean, dude, he, he smoked you. You had a great day. He had a better day. I mean, come on, you know, I can only control myself. So when I'm thinking about controlling myself, I'm, you know, I'm not reacting to somebody striking, you know, at me or anything like that, or, you know, or I really need to turn on the gas because this guy's about to pass me, whatever it is, I don't know. But in archery, I need to be able to, you know, I'm not worried about what everybody else is doing. I've really got to focus on what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and that process to get me to the objective, which is that X-ring. So cool. That's such a cool answer, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I work with different athletes across the spectrum of sport where we're talking about that internal focus of like, look, 
you can control yourself, everything else is auxiliary, right? Like that has nothing to do with you and being, you know, 1% better, a little bit better than you Everything else is distraction. Right, right. That's a, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, you talked about the mental and the physical of this, of this game kind of having to be in harmony too. Talk to my athletes, talk to my listeners about doing the work when you don't feel like doing it. Is that a hard thing for you at this point? Is that still a hard thing for you? Is it just something that you do because you don't feel like it? I mean, I, I love it. There's, there's people that have written books and talked about things. They're like, look, you're never going to feel like it. Like nobody feels like it all the time. Talk about that process a little bit. Like what is it? Tell me what it's like for you as an elite athlete to get up and have to put the work in despite wanting to, or, or does that happen to you? Oh, <laughs> you know, I just kind of alluded to what happened the other, you know, the other day here at this tournament, you know, I put in a great effort, you know, and I, I, I shot well, guy just, guy beat me, you know, he had a personal best and I mean, props to him, but I tell you what, that just makes me hungry, you know, what you're, uh, you know, win or learn, right? I think it was one of your previous podcasts, man, I, I hate learning. I hate learning. All right. I hate learning. And because that's I a hate... good way to spin it. I like what you're saying here. I hear you clearly. So, so when I get up in the morning and I don't think about, I think, oh, you know what? It's, it's cold or it's hot or, you know, I've got a bone in my arm or whatever other BS is going through my mind. It keeps me from wanting to get out there. You know, there's a lot of things that go on. One, I hate learning. I hate learning at a tournament. I'd let them get up, get off your butt, get out there, you know, get your bow out and let's start learning on the practice range because I sure hate learning in public. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate getting spanked by somebody else. Number two, if you think about your sport and you think that there's a guy out there, you know, that guy from France that, that put the lumber to me, he got up. I picture that guy for the next month or two. I'm going to picture that guy getting up and getting in his wheelchair. Wow, so interesting. And shooting his bow, knowing yeah. that, hey, you know, I'm going to shoot better than that American. Dude, screw that. I love I'm going to out-train that guy. You know, I love he's going to be my motivation. I love that imagery. I remember when I was playing junior college football, almost doing the exact same thing. I remember literally working out at 6 o'clock every single morning, organizing, throwing workouts and stuff like that. And I had created this mythical quarterback that was working harder than me. He was, he was a mythical quarterback. I didn't know who he was, but there was somebody on the East Coast that was putting in 15 extra reps. And I was like, gosh, dang it, I got to stay. I got to stay. I got to put more work in. Because my biggest goal that year was to not get outworked by any quarterback in the country. I wanted to be the hardest working quarterback that there is. And it's interesting that you're saying that, that now you take an event like this where you've had experience with somebody and now you can say... Now you can actually put a picture to that person. You know who that person is. Like, he's getting up. I got to get up. I got to beat him next time. Yeah, I, mean, I want to compete with him next time. This, you know, French guy, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, whatever you're, you know, these young guys, you know, do you, what do you want? Do you, do you want to, do you want to be good? Do you want to be better? Or do you want to be the best? You know, and then if you do want to be the best, what do you think it's going to take to get there? Knowing that there's another kid out there that he wants to be the best yeah and he's thinking the same thing 
and he's sitting there and he's getting up and he's putting in that extra inch or that extra rep or that extra end of arrows or whatever it is, you know, he's getting up and he's going to the gym. I mean, how bad do you want it? Do you want to be good? Okay. Hey, well then, then put in this amount of effort. You want to be the king dingling? Well, you need to put your time in. You need to put that alone time in. You need to focus. You know, sometimes it's really, it's tough. I'm sick. I'm cold. I'm whatever. Yeah. Got it. I don't have legs. Whatever. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> That's a good point, man. I love, I love, I love the thought in sports psychology, and I love the the imagery of like, give me a hundred percent today of your eighty-three percent. Give me a hundred percent of your fifty-seven percent. Give me a hundred percent of the forty-three percent that you got, right? And that's kind of what you're saying. Like when you get up in the morning, you don't feel like it. Well, that might be that you're at forty-seven percent mentally. Well, get up and do it anyway. You're never gonna feel like it. And and I love that you're telling you know these athletes and these listeners about the fact that you just got to get up and do it anyway. That there's days where you don't feel like it, but you get up and do it anyway. I, I think that's beautiful. One of the things that we beat on. Um, in archery is, you know, we don't, it's not as important to shoot a hundred arrows, man. You're out there, you're training hard. You shot, you, th you had a thousand arrow thing. You did the thousand arrow challenge. Good on you. But if you didn't shoot one of those arrows correctly, you just build cares? a bad habit. Who cares? Who cares? You know? So it's, you know, so it's a, it's a hundred perfect arrows. It's not a hundred. It's one perfect arrow. It's one perfect arrow. And I, I, at a time. Uh, I, I, like I, don't like to, I don't like to say even perfect. It's perfect, you know, whatever. Fair that's, enough. That's one, one deliberate arrow. Yeah. Is that a better word? One well-shot arrow at a time. You know, And if it's only three or four well-shot arrows, hey, that's awesome. God, that is that. what you want. That's really good. And then build I remember, I remember going to a golf tournament for a business one time, and Mike Weir, and you may or may not know who he is, but he won Augusta as a golfer. He lives in Utah where I live now. And we all pulled out a bucket of 50 balls, and we're getting warmed up for the tournament. We burned through those bucket of 50 balls in 10 minutes, right? He's got 50 balls, and he's kind of down away from us. And I figured, well, we got a little bit of time till we start. Maybe I'll just go down and watch him. He'd gone through like 10. I mean, the deliberate practice and the well-drawn-out shot. I mean, he was so deliberate in his practice and so deliberate in what he was trying to do. I think I learned a good lesson that day. It's like, hey, it's not about how many balls you hit and getting your muscles warm. It's about putting your muscle through the correct memory. It's about building that myelin sheath in your mind that builds the neural pathways, that builds it so that when you do get to a tournament, when you do get to a pressure situation, that you are firing through that neural pathway in a natural way. Now, let's go back to that question you asked me early on. How do you build confidence? There it is. There's, there's your answer. You've got this foundation right. to make that one good shot, to stay focused for that three to five seconds while you release hell yeah. on the center of that target. So, this is a great interview. I hope I hope freaking 4,000 people listen to this interview because it's so good. There's two T's in Burkett, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. What's your greatest accomplishment in life so far? Could be in your sport, could be in your personal Ooh, life, my greatest whatever accomplishment you want to say. In life. Ah, this, I mean, there's so many aspects. Um, as far as like my archery career, it's, um, it's being asked to be a coach. It's, it's, it's people trusting me enough with, with something that they're passionate about to help me get them to their goals. That, I mean, that's, that's the pinnacle. I mean, anybody can be a great athlete, you know, but 
to be able to give back, you know, now, um, in my particular case, uh, you know, I, 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 I teach kids, elementary school kids, uh, all the way up right now, I've got a guy that's uh, uh, going to, you know, qualify and win the Senior Olympics uh, next year, uh, but um, I've been coaching the Marine Corps Wounded Warrior Team for two years now, well, three years now, two years at the Warrior Games. And then uh, I was just selected to um, be a coach in Sydney, Australia, uh, for the for the United States team going there for Invictus Games, um, and that's that's kind of always been a dream since I won gold at the inaugural Invictus Games in archery. Now to to come back as a coach and to to give that experience to the next guy. So cool, so cool. You're 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 being a mentor to other people. In other words, such a cool thing. Um, and I hate this word, but for just so that everybody understands the question, but what would you say is your biggest failure? Uh, you know, I, I, so many failures. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just, you know, these things that, that set you back, that, you know, leave you wanting more, that leave you, that <laughs> you're winning or you're learning. I've had... I've had a ton of learning opportunities in my life. Um, and I know I'm going to have a ton more. Um, Is it less know, fearful to have that learning opportunity? Does it get easier because you realize that you're, you're getting on path and going where you want to go, even though there's setbacks along the way? Or is it still always difficult? I would say any, any serious competitor wants to win, you know, and, and the, the best of those try to find a way to learn even during their wins, you know, they're not satisfied with it. Um, I'm not, I would say everything brings its own challenges, its own anxiety level, its own, you know, its own distractions from, from winning. Um, you know, and I mean, you could look at any of that stuff. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I use in my life is, is one of the Greek definitions of sin. Um, and that, that being failing to achieve the mark that God has put for you. Um, you know, so, so anything that falls short of where you should be, you know, is, is not making the mark could be like sin could be that, that failure. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a religious thing, um, but it's a way to look at life. You know, where do I need to be and where am I at? You know, and then am I content not being where I need to be? Or am I going to strive to do what, that what I think is right? Yeah. You know, um, maybe a little bit deeper than we needed to go in your podcast. But oh, I, mean, I, I love it. I love, I love tapping into your brain. This it is, all this goes is into stuff. that whole, you know. How do I be my best? How do I bring my A game? You know, whether it's three to five seconds out here on the line shooting holes in paper, or is it, you know, that three to five seconds or maybe a little bit longer dealing with my kids or with a, another disabled Marine or, you know, with an older gentleman who has goals, you know, of winning the Senior Olympics. I mean, I don't know. It's... Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with anxiety? Do you get anxiety? And what what have been your best practices to deal with 
sport anxiety or with that nervousness that comes up? Well, I'll tell you, um, anxiety. You want, you want to experience anxiety. You know, try sitting on the in a helicopter on goggles in the middle of the night, getting ready to take off for the boat, going up into Iraq for the first time ever. You know, and not knowing what to expect. That's anxiety, you know, hoping that you do everything right, hoping that the guys in the back don't know that anything's wrong or right. They just know that they're getting to the spot where they need to be when they need to be there. Um, you know, hoping that the, the bad guys aren't bringing their A game, um, you know, and hoping that if they do happen to bring their A game, that your A game it's is so much theirs. stronger. Um, I mean, there's just... Yeah. So you talk about combat hard. So, you know, I come to these tournaments and, you know, sure, I want to win and there's anxiety and, the, like I said, there's that doubt that's saying, you know, oh, you're really ready for this or, you know, is, you know, is, is your boat tuned as best it could be? You know, whatever. Is there, you know, the, the stars aligned in your favor? Whatever. You know, you just kind of, you know, temper that with, you know, hey, I'm going to shoot 72 arrows here and nobody's going to shoot back. So breathe it in. Breathe it out, slow it down, and remember what you're here for. You know, still stay aggressive. And then, and then you know, uh, a wise old sage, um, in fact, he's really not that old, he's only 44, you know, just kind of reminded me the other day of, uh, you know, the, was it like the, the chemical reactions that go on in your body between anxiety and excitement, you know, are pretty much identical. So why not just go, hey, look, I got butterflies, but this is freaking exciting, you know? This is I'm nervous or I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated by something that's out of my control. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I flew freaking forever to come to the Czech Republic. I left the comforts of home, my family and everything else to do battle on this little field out here and poke holes in paper and see who can poke the best holes in the paper. You yeah. Know? I mean, come on. Pretty cool thing. Pretty cool thing. You know, let's yeah. get excited about that. Why come? Why, why fly across the Atlantic Ocean to be afraid of something, especially when it's like shooting holes in paper? Yeah, a friend of mine told me it's always a lot better when you're shooting at something and it's not shooting back at you, right? That's that's right. <laughs> that's right. So awesome. This is this has been a really really cool podcast and a really revealing podcast. I hope those of you that are listening to this podcast take time to share this podcast with others because I think there's a lot of really just some real golden nuggets here in this in this podcast today i just want to ask you a couple more questions sure eric before we go what should people listening to this podcast know about you and about other people who have for lack of a better term disabilities what 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 do they need to know what do i need to know what can we learn from someone in your spot so that so that everybody just has a better understanding of where you come from and and okay and well let me back it up a little bit first of all you know personally i think you have two type of two types of people out there you know you have the people who choose to be you know for lack of a better term a victim and you have people that choose to be um survivors um and when i say that i mean 
you know, everybody's got a disability. You can see two of my disabilities pretty easily. As soon as you look at me, hey, that dude's missing two legs, you know. You get to know me a little bit more, you know, hey, hey, he's, he's got issues with breathing. He's got, you know, um, you know, some optic nerve damage. You know, he had his bell rung pretty hard, blah, 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 you know. Plus, you know, dude's a Marine, so he's obviously got some mental issues before he got hurt. <laughs> so, but... No Marine jokes. No more Marine jokes. So anyway, I just... I guess we can't make any more... There's no more crayons. Um, so, but anyway, we, we've all got things that we, we struggle with. And then what, what I would ask people to do is I would look at whatever they struggle with, whatever it is they struggle with, and they say, do I want... Do I choose to be a victim to this thing that I struggle with? Or do I choose to be a survivor of this thing that I struggle with? I choose to be a survivor. Like I told you earlier in the podcast, I had a really bad day. I've had some tough days since then, but I lead a blessed life. And that's because I try to find the good and I try to attack and, and lean forward and embrace the day and, and, and live with the hope that my best days, despite the challenges that I have are my best days are still ahead of me. And you got so many of my peers and other people choose to like lay back and be a victim and put their hand out for the VA, put their hand out for this and everything. You know, it's, it's almost frustrating how our society kind of breeds the victim. But, you know, that's for another podcast. But I would just, you know, when you deal with your particular issue, do you choose to be a survivor or do you choose to be a victim of your, of your demon? You know, I choose to be a survivor. Let's go. Let's attack. You know, hey, come on, man. It's awesome. You know, it reminds me a little bit. I just read a book by Irvin Meyer, the head coach for Ohio State. And this has been around in sports psychology for a while, but they, they talk about, they talk about the equation E plus R equals O. In other words, the event plus your reaction equals the outcome. The event for you was in the Middle East, flying an Osprey, crash a plane, lots of death around you. I think you said there was one other survivor. And in between that event is a moment where you get to choose your reaction. And it may be just a moment. It can be over time, right? It could have been over the last six years that you're recovering from this, that you get to choose that reaction. But that's ultimately what makes the outcome, right, is the R, the R factor. Your reaction is what you're saying. You choose not to be a victim. You choose to be a survivor. And I love that phrasing. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor, right? And all I of would, us, you all of us one, could learn from that, right? Absolutely. All of us could learn from that and I would with also our say, disabilities. I would encourage people that... Let's say, let's say you find yourself being a victim, which, which there are times where I, you know, I backslide or I, I feel sorry for myself or whatever. Um, but you still have, at that moment, you still have, you have a decision right then and there. It's like it resets. Every nanosecond, yeah. it resets. Do I choose to be a survivor? Do I choose to be a victim? I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Screw that. I'm going to be a survivor now. Now, okay. now is the time. And then, let's say you backslide, but then you get another chance. Now, now I'm going to be time. a survivor. You know, I, I, I talked that. to a guy named Travis Mills. He got blown up in uh, in Iraq. The, the he got blown up in Iraq the day before um, my crash, and I I got to Germany before him, and they wheeled him past my room. Travis is the 
fifth surviving quadruple amputee. He put his pack down. He was on a patrol. Put his pack down, checking on his guys. Um, you know, they had a halt, and uh, he set his pack down on a glass IED, one that doesn't get detected by the metal detector. They'd already swept the area. Anyway, when I saw them wheel him past my room in launch stool, I said, that guy's dead. He just doesn't realize it yet. I thought for sure he was dead. So we made the transland together. We ended up at Walter Reed. We rehabbed together. And I said to Travis, you know, he's down there like, I'll tell you this, Travis Mills, with no arms and no legs, walked, walked, before I was given a four-hour pass to leave my room at the hospital. This guy's a stud. If the, he's got enough heart for half the United States. I mean, he's a, he's a great yeah. dude. Anyway, look him up, Travis Mills. I will. Um, I said to him one day, you know, we're down, we're doing physical therapy together, and he's always pushing himself, he's always pushing the guys around him, just an inspiration. I said, Travis, how do you stay so positive, man? He says, I, he goes, you want to know what's here? I don't. There are days where I sit in my room and I consider my situation and I have a little pity party and I cry and I get upset. And then, and then I realize, you know, hey, this isn't going to get me anywhere. This isn't going to get me anywhere. So strap your legs on, get up and try to make today a better day than yesterday. And this guy has done more for disabled veterans and more for awareness and raised more money and done more for families than, than I, I don't know who else. I mean, <laughs> him and Gary Sinise are probably the biggest champions, you know, of disabled veterans going. And, um, but, you know, even, even guys like Travis Mills, guys that are my inspiration, have bad days. Yeah. But we always get the chance to make another decision. Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a survivor? Constantly choosing Constantly. to be a victim or a survivor. Choose to attack. Yeah, Choose such, to attack. Such good stuff. Man, that's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Is there, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Anything that you think could be beneficial or thought-provoking to the athletes and the listeners to this podcast? That you'd like to share with us? I would say losers are satisfied. Champions are not. Losers are satisfied. Champions are not. What does that mean to you? It means, not. I'm not talking about, you know, on the field of play or anything like that. I'm talking about in your heart. Are you content with where you're at? You just won the Super Bowl. Where are you the next day? Are you Heinz Ward out there training again the next day? Or are you content? Yeah. Are you... Hey, the you enemy, basically, the enemy of success is the word arrived. Like, once you think you've arrived, it's going to slip out of your hands is what you're saying. You got to attack. Are satisfied. Attack. Don't be a victim of success. I don't know. I mean, yeah. don't be a com- victim of complacency or... Don't be a victim of contentment. I mean, what's your goal? All right. If if you if you've achieved your goal, and and that's good, and that's good. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying achieving your goals isn't good enough. But I mean, if that's hey, if I wanted to do X and now I just accomplished X, 
All right. What's hey, the next goal? Let's go some. Let's go somewhere else. Or hey, I want to do X again. I want to be back to back champion. I want to be, mm-hmm. a, you know, a three time champion. You know, whatever it is. I mean, you know, or you know what? Yeah. I've got X, and now I want to go spend time with my family. I've sacrificed enough time. You know, but just yeah. Keep but moving, the work's keep never attacking. finished. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Keep the attacking. work's never finished. We're constantly building, constantly striving, constantly working to be at our best. And whatever that best is, and the best can ch- yeah. that, that best can change. It, Eric, this has been a fantastic interview. I'd love to interview again sometime. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you for our service, for your service to our country. Um, we're certainly there's a lot of a lot more of us out there than you think that are really grateful for your service. We have a lot of respect for you and for the work that you put in, and, and good luck in your future endeavors with uh, the U.S. Paralympic team and with chasing those dreams that you're looking for. We really, really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Riley. Enjoyed being here. Um, America. America. (laughs) That's a great way to finish a podcast. Thank you. That's it for today. Man, that was a good podcast. I can't believe how many good nuggets were in that podcast today. Um, I love that you guys are a part of our squad. I love your comments, your feedback, and your ratings on iTunes. Thank you for taking the time. It makes all the difference. Please, 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 will you take just a few moments today and share this podcast with someone that you think might like it and with somebody that you think might benefit from these words from Eric Burkett. Man, I would love it if you did that. If you have questions about this episode, um, if you have um, topics or anything that you would like me to cover, please feel free to email me at Riley at RileyJensenConsulting.com or reach out to me via Twitter at Riley Jensen. And I'll see you guys next time when we're just a little bit older and a little bit wiser. Thanks again for listening.